astrids and gymnosperms. Tempt us with your terrific tubers. Ridicule the ridiculous rhizome of the radish. And pollinate the populace with your prodigious stamen. Mm, because it's time to flower tull to me. I think it's gymnosperm. Ooh, this nectar. Oh, delectable. Yum, yum. <laughs> I've got bees in my budget. Ooh, and I love it. <laughs> Welcome back, everyone. This is Omen Said. <laughs> and this is Nick McGill. Together, I am Feckless Momes. <laughs> and someone here is talked to Ultimate. A scientific expedition into the uncharted forests of Progrock in which nectar-loving Nick and ovule omen seek to classify each and every species of the family, Jethrotia tullicus. Yes, song by song, album by album, we will locate, identify, smell, and even taste every single track ever produced by legendary rock band Jethro Tull. We will hike the Hammond Hammond Habitats, plant a plot of palmer perennials, and brave the bar bracken, all with the hopes of sighting the fabled Anderson Orchid, the poison of which is known to kill a grown man from 30 paces. Fun fact about the Anderson Orchid is it can only be pollinated with a flute. That's right, yeah, the flute-beaked hummingbird. Yeah, yeah, it's, it's very high-pitched tweet. That's right. Yeah. Nick, speaking of high-pitched... What do we have on the docket before we jump into the song today? Well, today's a, a pretty big day, but before we get into the song itself, I believe we need Marley. If, if I think Marley's got a delivery for me over here. Marley! Thank, oh, thank you, Marley. I pre, that is, this paper is very damp, Marley. You've just come through the shortcut. The shortcut. I... I've asked you before if you could not go through the toilet out of the septic tank to get to the studio. Got a busy schedule, got to save time, I can. I don't know why the pipes are that big, but it's not an invitation, Marley. Not. It's not just because you can, you should. Gotta go. Okay. okay. I really... Should I'm, update the plumbing in there, Nick. It's I'm unusual. Confident that man has no bones, and I'm very, very <laughs> off put by it. So uh, now I'll, I'll, I'll lay, lay this out in this soggy, soggy piece of paper here. We have ourselves an email. <clears throat> Your emails, sir. From a new. Writer, inner, listener, combo here. We have a new writer, Sting. Do you remember that? I don't remember what it is. Let's see. Just another dangerous fantasy of mine. (laughs) I think it's a little too long. I'll I'll have to trim it down. (laughs) Yeah. Yes, fantastic, Nick. We always love a new writer, inner. This is from new listener Josh P. Hello, Josh P. Subject is, I love your show, and my wife hates Jethro Tull. 
Par for the course, Josh. Welcome to the We fold. have a t-shirt of that, actually. <laughs> Thank you for writing in message from Josh. I found your show somehow, probably through a mention on one of the toll groups on Facebook, which is probably thanks to Jeffy B. Thank you, Jeffy Buzz Buzz. A month ago, and started listening from the beginning. I love the way the conversation meanders through other topics and the sense of humor throughout the show. At the moment, I'm going through the Benefit album with you. My wife, who loves me dearly, rolls her eyes as I try to show her bits of lyrics or snippets of music. Yes. Have a wonderful day and keep up the great work. I love you guys. Joshua P. Well, Mr. P, <laughs> it's delightful to hear from you. Thank you so much for your listenership and our regards to your very wonderful and patient wife. Yeah. Also, if you just discovered us a month ago, you must have been really working overtime if you're already up to benefit, that's a lot of listening. Yeah, in ben, let's see, benefit would take ha- a break, have a popsicle. <laughs> benefit would have us at the last track on benefit is 41, so you've done at least an episode a day, if not more of a crunch. So, so w- yeah. welcome. Pace yourself. You got a bit more ahead of you, <laughs> but you don't want to get too addicted to it because by the time you catch up to us, then it's only going to be one a week, and then that's you'll right. be upset. So, pace yourself. Pace your wife. Face your wife and play this portion for her specifically. Mrs. P, you are not alone in being subjected to the yes. the spousal tull. We've got a um we've got a a a tull widow's spousal support page that you can join if you wish. Yeah. We'll have to make that a, a Patreon a Patreon bonus there. Yeah. So that is it for housekeeping. Thank you, Josh. Again, thank you everyone for writing in. We greatly appreciate it. But now I think we should move on to the song of the day, the song of the week. It is our final track off of Heavy Horses. It's our final bonus. And also it is a very special track for Omen because he has never heard I've never heard this one before. New to my ears. It is nude in his ears. And do you remember what song this is, Omen? What are we doing? I believe it is Botanic Man. Botanic Man, indeed. Let's have a listen to Botanic Man. Smell the flower of this song with our nose ears. Botanic Man. Sun's up, moon's gone to bed, and the day's begun. Goodness me, Nick. Omen. Omen said, what? My ear flowers have been pollinated so hard by that song. My ear fruits are ready, ready (laughs) to be plucked. I I need to be picked and mashed up and made into a syrup immediately. So so that is is a song that, that you've never heard before, but we heard hints of it. You know, we heard the Botanic Man theme. Last That's week. Right. Yes, we did. Which was only a minute of kind of like roughly the theme. There were bits and pieces that, that weren't, that we didn't quite get into, which as, as a theme would be. But this is a three minute sweet lullaby. What are your thoughts? And having heard it, we just listened to it twice, but back to back. What are your thoughts? My first thought is, why haven't we heard this song more? I want more of this song. It's so great. And it's, you know, the other week we were talking about horse-hoeing husbandry, and I was like, oh, God, I yeah. can see why this has never been played. With this one, I ask myself, why haven't we heard this on other albums? Why haven't we heard this in concert? Yeah. Have we had this in concert? 
Oh, good question. Let me check. It's gorgeous. It's it's lovely. It is very like classic tall sound, but but fresh and it's got new elements. Mm-hmm. It's everything that I would want from a tall song, and it's it's lovely. It's got a very it's got a very too old to rock and roll feeling though. I feel like it's part of a greater piece. I feel like there's it's part of a ballet or an opera or a stage musical. I feel like that's where this was headed. Maybe not, but I don't know. There's just there's some sort of presentational feel to this that we don't get in some of the other stuff. Well, I do think that there are, there's a theatricality that runs through Anderson's work that is definitely at play here. Yeah. I could see this being performed by David Bowie, you know. Mm. I could see this being some of the you know, on the White Album by the Beatles. It's like there's some there's this really gorgeous storytelling kind of landscape element to it. Yeah. But it could also function as a as a as an interlude between two more kind of rocky pieces. That's definitely sure. this is definitely on the more acoustic side of things. Yeah. Do you know the show It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia? Yeah, I've heard, I'm somewhat familiar with it. It's highly highly offensive and highly recommended, but I cannot help but think of season four, episode 13, Dayman. They, they, <laughs> okay. they put on a stage musical called Dayman, and they have a, a very specific song. Dayman. Ah, fighter of the night, man. Ah, champion of the sun. Ah, you're a master of karate and friendship for everyone. Dayman! Fighter of the night, man. Ah, champion of the sun. I have heard of that episode. I have not heard the music until now, it's, and now I want to watch that episode. Oh my gosh, it's so good. It's so very good. What about this song reminds you of that? I, I don't know. Maybe it's just the 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 fact that he's singing about blank man, you know, botanic man, day man. I, I, I wish... No, you know what? I don't wish. I was say I wish I could tell you a specific thing, but the less that I actually do compare it to Dayman, I think the better it will be. Probably, probably <laughs> the better for everyone. But there is, I, I, I think there is a sense of in this song that it's talking about a special kind of person. Yeah, who has yeah, yeah, yeah. A, who has a duty, who has a responsibility to a to mission. do something. Yeah, Botanic Man, the gentlest superhero. It seems. On par with, as he says, Jack and the Green. As he says in the song, it's 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 a Jack and the Green character. Yes, although there's something very human about this character. Whereas Jack and the Green mm. is a strictly fae. Yes, a strictly mythological or strictly magical creature. This mm-hmm. strikes me as really like this is a human being who has taken on the mantle of Botanic Man. Sure. Okay. Okay, with with great great green power comes great green responsibility. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> uh, it's um, mm, where do we start? So I mean, just, let's let's you ready to jump in musically? Let's jump in musically. So so speaking of jumping in, like boom, right out of the gate, I can't remember the last song that started with Ian's voice. 
there's not much introduction, which maybe that's why, maybe that's where you get the feeling of it being kind of a musical sure, presentation. Sure, 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 sure. It's, like, yeah. it's like the lights come up and immediately it's, you see Botanic Man. Yeah, Botanic Man is singing this song about himself. Yeah. Botanic Man and Worm Boy. <laughs> I decompose things. <laughs> uh, so, yeah, we, we jump into, Ian sings that first Botanic Man and then immediately the music starts. Starts with that tiny little flute trill. Sounds like a yep. bird. Oh, lovely, yeah. Botanic Man. It's just, it's piano, and and then it's just piano until the second verse. When the strings come in, correct? Yeah. When the strings come in, and that's it. That That's all the instruments that we have. Green Planet Man. Make it ache in a spinning world. I detect the, the the hand of agricultural goddess Dee Palmer growing the the string harvest in this song. Those are definitely D strings. The sweep, yeah. But there, you're right. There is no guitar, which mm-hmm. is a bit on which is a bit strange. Um, but, yeah. But gives it a really different sound, which is nice to me. Nice to me ears. Yeah, I I agree. It's. It's a little strange just because of what we're accustomed to with Tull. But also remember in the theme, we had those three instances where that we had just that electric wang come through. But it was, it was just there in the theme. We don't have it in Botanic Man proper for some reason. I don't know. It's a curious choice to put it in that in the theme, but not this. Botanic Man, put on your lettuce points. We have to go and fight the electric guitar wang. I, I saw you processing that one. I saw you. Try- <laughs> you know me too well. <laughs> yeah, it's in four four time. It's in a very slow four four. It's mm, yeah. Two three four. It two, is. Three. It's practically a lullaby. I get why you're saying that, because it has a lulling quality to it. Yeah. Although I would say that because of its daytime, early morning content, mm. I wouldn't classify it as a lullaby unless you work the night shift. There you go. No, okay, I'll give you that. I'll give you that. But it, it just feels so, it's so soft and slow. Yeah. But it's not in any way lamenting. You know, there's not, there's no sorrow here. It's just a sweet, appreciative song. There's something comforting and almost meditative about it. Mm -hmm. Oh, it's, it's so delightful. And then uh, Ian's voice is pretty much the Jack and the Green voice. He's got a little gruffness there. I don't know if it's two tracks. I don't know if it's like a little reverby, echoey, whatever, but there's a little something with his voice here. I think beyond his just like, I'm going to make it gruff for Jack and the Green. That's true. However, at the same time, there is a lack of that kind of pushed harshness that we hear sometimes. There's a lack of that kind of rock and roll intensity. And maybe that's oh, sure, maybe that's yeah. another factor that's making your mind go to the, the musicals. But there's that sense of 
he's really performing it with a sense of sweetness, which I feel like we have to go all the way back to wondering aloud to hear something like this. Mm, wow. Wondering aloud how we feel today. Just a, a, a genuine non-performative almost that this is that Ian Ian is really embracing and embodying Botanic Man in this moment as opposed to putting on the character that is Botanic Man. There's something a little bit more introspective, which yeah. we know. So there was this fabulous interview that, that came out recently from the oh, Rock Tours podcast. Good which, call, which, yeah. You know, if you ever want to, if, uh, it's, it's definitely the best Ian Anderson interview that I've ever heard. Without a doubt. Absolutely. They do an amazing job. And he really he really talks very comfortably about a lot of things. And one of the things that he says is that he admires that kind of really ego-driven, introspection, bearing your soul type of song that other performers write and perform. But that's just never been his style. He makes right. a comparison to painting and that he's he's never really been about portraiture and he's never really been about landscapes. He always likes, quote unquote, painting a song where you have both a figure in a landscape. But this song is focusing a little bit further into that that character, and I feel like that character is very Ian-related. Yeah. I think he's tipping his his hand here into his soul a little more than what we usually get, and it's lovely. Yeah, I think that's that's a pretty good point. I also 100% recommend that Rock on Tours. I forget, was it JK? Somebody dropped it into the, the Discord chat. And uh, it is a, it's, it, like you said, it is one of the best Ian interviews I've heard. Normally, normally when you hear one Ian interview, you've heard them all. Like it's almost always the same responses, always the same questions. Yes. When we interview him, it's not going to be that. We're going to try our damnedest not to have that happen. <laughs> But but you're right. He does. He tends to have, as so many people do, their kind of set piece answers to the common questions that they get. But there's something about the two gentlemen who interview him who there's a comfort there where he really is able to to just talk quite freely. And it's lovely. Yeah. Other things musically. Was that a question or do you have something? (laughs) Yes. I I can't tell. I can't tell what you're looking at anymore. I wasn't sure if you were looking at your notes or not. It's because of my eyes pointing in two different directions. You have gone pretty wall-eyed lately. The only other musical thing that I have to point out is that lovely flute turn at the end where the music turns toward the minor. Mm. Yeah, for the for those little, the little, I mean, for lack of a better term, breakdowns, the kind of chorusy part where it goes into just the instrumental. Yes. there it stays with the flute well actually the flute comes in prominently there because it's either ian singing or the flute yeah so the flute comes in but we've still got that really sweeping piano the really sweeping strings gosh darn it it's, it's such yeah. a pleasant song i was actually referring to the very end where the flute oh my gosh kind of doodly doos out and we have that that minor chord over which the flute plays which is the only 
it kind of the whole song ends on a little slightly dark note. Oh, the the final actual like fade out almost. Yes. Two things about that. That flute, that last little flute trill, that feels like what we kind of see a little bit later on in maybe Catfish or Crest. A little flute flavor there. Absolutely. Yes, you're totally right. And also, normally, D works really prominently with the higher end of strings. You know, your your violins, your viola, etc. Like the cello in these, maybe thanks to Steve Wilson's fingers on these cello strings, like they are the cello is so prominent in this song. Oh, I love yeah. it. I'm a sucker for bass at, or for cello anyway. So but and, mm. and maybe maybe it's filling in that role because we don't have so much of the bass guitar. Sure. Right. Maybe that's kind of taking on the role. Or even drums, yeah. Yeah. That's true. I didn't even think about the fact that there are no drums in this. Not a lick of percussion. Yeah. Except for the percussive thrumming of my heart when I listen to it. Is that what that noise was? I thought That's... it was a Steve Wilson touch, but... Uh... No, no, no. Shall we talk about the lyrics, Nick? Yes, I think we should. I'm very excited about talking about these lyrics. Very excited to talk tell about these lyrics. These lyrics, to me, I would put... And do not take this the wrong way. I would put this on par with kind of the, not the content, not even the quality, but like in terms of of, of jumble and depth of the lyrics that we saw with Horse Hoeing Husbandry. I feel like there's a lot of mouthful going on in this, but it's nowhere near as offensive as as it was with, with Horse Hoeing Husbandry. You know, I think that it is. I think it's further along in the process of songwriting. Sure. I feel like listening to Horse Hoeing Husbandry was that we were listening to a first draft. And I think this is listening to a third or fourth draft where the ideas are are more put together. Sure. More clear in the in the voice of the singer. Yeah. Yeah. I, I agree that it, it tends to be a little bit more opaque, maybe on the level of something like Backdoor Angels, where it's like, mm. okay, we really have to dig into this to figure yeah. out what it's about. And then out of the front door and 12 Backdoor Angels I don't think it's impossible to parse. I agree. Or or to listen to like I I think I think the beauty of the music helps with being able to focus and get down to the lyrics themselves. I think that definitely helps. And I think there are a couple of keys for us to unlock this mystery. And what are those keys? <laughs> jingle jingle, let me get them out of my pocket. I think that in the lyrics themselves, a couple of clues that I think are going to be helpful are the reference to the green man. Yeah, definitely. All Jack's in a green botanic man sees. And the kind of physical setup of it, the, the physical setup of the world. If we, if we look at the landscape behind the figure in the painting, as it were, we have this contrast drawn between 
the world of the garden, which is a finite amount of space, it's insular, and then the outside world, which is kind of raging in all of its craziness. Yeah. Where we have aeroplanes and high-rise towers. Aeroplanes and high-rise towers. Traffic jams and motorways contrasted with bumblebees turning up their noses. Traffic jams and motorways. Naked ape in a spinning world of cars. Naked ape in a spinning world of cars. And what that immediately reminded me of, as I'm sure it did all of our listeners, is, of course, The Legend of Vertumnus and Pomona from The Metamorphoses by Ovid. Ah, uh, this again? <laughs> <laughs> So if we if we go back to the classics, as is you know my as is my want your contractual obligation. That's that's right. <laughs> we have this wonderful little story about Vertumnus and Pomona. Vertumnus is a shape shifting Roman god, and he can he's a master of disguise. He can make himself look like like anything or anyone. Pomona is a a nymph who is obsessed. Or tasked, perhaps, with with taking care of this garden. So, the imagery in these stories of this walled garden that she immaculately keeps at, like, just the peak of perfection. Mm. And she has zero interest in anything else. And Vertumnus, of course, like all horny Roman gods, is in love with her. And so, tries to convince her that she should open up out to to the world outside of her garden and open herself up to, to love and interaction with him and his penis. <laughs> yeah. I mean, let's, let's be honest. Let's be real. We're not going to sugarcoat things. No, we're definitely not going to sugarcoat ancient Greek penises. Uh, he's Vertumnus is Roman. I just ancient Roman wangs, guitar wangs. So he disguises himself. He first disguises himself as a, muscular laborer and then as a you know really hot tree cutter and then a a super sexy grain harvester <laughs> and none of it works she's all she's always like get the heck out of here so eventually he disguises himself as an old woman and it's like oh may i rest in your garden for a moment and she's like oh sure and then he tells her this fabulous story that melts her heart and then he's like psych it's me let's do the nasty and she was convinced to do said nasty the nasty they indeed did because it's obvious <laughs> they were either gonna they were either gonna have sex or die or both i mean that's it's the classic they're classics for a reason and they they're classics for a reason <laughs> but that sense of okay the outside world is out here and i'm gonna i'm gonna push it away while i maintain control you know, you must keep your garden clean. You'd better keep your garden clean. Yeah. It's like you yeah. better control the thing that you can control. Well, all the people who stayed up all night partying are going to bed. That's when you rise. And that's when you're, you, you are at your height of power. When the world is in that quiet hour, you can tend the roses and catch the worms and all that. Yeah. If your sphere of power, the, the smaller your sphere of power is, the easier it is to control. And the more intensely you you maybe feel about controlling it sure right right because it's yours it's your footprint and you can't afford to lose any any of said footprint 
Botanic man. Yeah. Okay. I like that. There's some other interesting things in here. So for me, that feels like Ian expressing something about his own personality, which is that, as he stated a number of times, he likes to have a small kind of social sphere, and he, by necessity, goes out into the world and is a rock star. Yeah. But in fact, his kind of spiritual life is really quite centered around the home and the natural world and and creating a lovely space. Yeah. Planting trees, farming salmon. He is he is the Aqualung hermit. And he is he has over the years. I mean, even when he was when they were starting out in 68, 69, he was always the one who went to bed right after a show. He grabbed a sandwich. He doesn't even like to eat around people. He takes a sandwich up to his room. Yeah, that was something that came out of the Rock on Tours interview that he prefers to eat alone. It's fascinating. Yep. I, I also heard, uh, read in the Stormwatch Steve Wilson booklet that they like to get to the city where the show is early in the day of the show so he can go out and have lunch because he doesn't even eat supper before the show. He waits. He wants to be there and eat, kind of go relax, get in the headspace. Then he'll eat after the show on his own. Yeah, well, you don't want to perform on a full stomach. The other guys do. The other guys don't care. The crew does. Yeah, <laughs> but but Ian is, he's very particular. And, and this is not a jibe or anything. It's just like, this is the way that Ian operates. He does like that kind of hermitage, you know? He he, picked, yeah. he has chosen the people that he wants to be surrounded with, and he lets them into this garden of his. And some of those people are plants. And some of those people are plants. And if he needs to prune a plant, he will. Oh, interesting. Right? Like we saw with... Who was it? Was it Clive that that they booted early on because he just wasn't jiving with the with the band? I think it was mm. was it Clive because he was such a partier, and then they took on Barrymore, and that's kind of what happened with John Glascock as well. Like nobody else would say would speak up, so so not Glascock. Glascock died. Yeah, I know, I know. Yeah, no, this is this was at the very end. Uh, Ian was like, John, you are not taking care of yourself and this life is not helping oh, to facilitate that care. So we don't want you in the band anymore. Wow. Yeah. Hmm. Yeah, so Ian as Botanic Man, going back to Botanic Man, Ian as Botanic Man, I totally see. I totally see a, a beautiful metaphor. I see it on a personal level, on an environmental level. Right. And there's a difference between someone who is completely antisocial and doesn't want to be around anyone and someone who is extremely diligent about picking the environment that they surround themselves with. Because there is, I, I love the the kind of, there, there are two lines here that I want to contrast or bring to light. One of them is, the actor in him takes the stage. Wow. Woof. Scattering <laughs> wild notes, wishing them bon chance. The actor in him takes the stage, scattering wild notes, wishing them bon chance. When he keep his garden clean. This might be the first instance of French we've had in a tall song. Is it? It can't be. But I think there's something wonderful about the kind of play on scattering wild oats and scattering wild notes. Yeah. Sort of like, I'm going to throw my songs out into the audience and you know, whatever happens. happens good luck. That's that's bon chance, right? It's good luck. Yeah, good luck, yeah. bon chance. Yeah. And then, but at the same time, we know that it's not just like, oh, I only care about myself because there's the line, 
Is the green solution here, will your children play your garden games? Botanic man, as your new day done, is the green solution here. Will your children play your garden games? So it's like, he's not creating a world just for himself, he's creating a world yeah. for the people that he cares about. Right. And will will they do the same thing? Will they they keep your garden? Will they continue what you give to them? Right. Or is it just a place for them to grow up and then leave? Yeah, right, right, right. Speaking of Vertumnus. Yeah. Glad you brought him back up. I mean, he is he is a favorite. Fan favorite Vertumnus. Fanfic, fan fiction Vertumnus. <laughs> I when I was listening to the song, I was I had to my mind brought that an image of that painting where it's like a picture of a person and it's all made out of vegetables. Yeah. I love that stuff. Those are so good. So there are several of them. And so I looked up, you know, painting of man as vegetables. And the first one that came up was an oil painting from 1591 by Giuseppe Archimboldo, which is a portrait of the Holy Roman Emperor Rudolf II as Vertumnus, and it yeah. is entitled Vertumnus. Yeah. And it's, you know, it's a portrait of a of a guy all made up of vegetables and fruits and, and things. It's it's great. It's lovely. And is it wrong for my mind to be blown that something so Arch Nouveau feeling was done in 1591? You know, that feels like a mm. Matisse painting to me. The bowler hat and the apple and... Oh, because it's kind of, there's a play on the absurd. Yeah. I mean, I think that these certain impulses have been in humanity forever. I think that... The impulse of the absurd? Yeah. And I think that, you know, making vegetables into people or making vegetables into body parts has been something that has happened ever since someone said, oh, look, that squash shaped like a... shaped like a leg. (laughs) In, In Rome, speaking of Rome, there's a... A mansion that was I forget who owned it it was it was one of the big art patron families mm. and one of the rooms is all vines and fruits and and vegetables just mm-hmm. everywhere just this incredible riot and it was it was done by like Michelangelo or someone like that sure sure or maybe Raphael and if you look closely a lot of the vegetables are positioned to look like um various uh, erogenous zones of humans <laughs> I just I want to everybody Delete the email. It's Magritte, not Matisse. I, I acknowledge. The son of man delete painting. Delete the email. Dele- de- delete the email. I said it was Matisse. So they're like, dear feckless Mobes, it is not Matisse oh. who did the son of man painting. It is Magritte. Well, that's a common. I think that's yeah. that's one that people often switch up. Also, for the record, we, we never get mail like that, which is great because we probably ought to. <laughs> also, guess who's a big fan of Magritte? <sighs> Vitumnus. <laughs> oh no, Ian Anderson. He mentions that in the Rock Hunters interview. Mm, that's right. Yeah, he does like the absurdism. Yeah, yeah. And so I think there's. <sighs> I think that this song is a really great kind of pastoral mashup mm-hmm. of elements of human behavior, elements of Greek mythology, elements of art. Elements of English mysticism all rolled up into a, into a lovely garden of a song. Yeah, it's really, really nice. I like it lots and lots. I think you 
touched on this, but I do also think there's an environmental or environmentalism sure. aspect yeah. to this. I, I think it's less blatant as what we have seen previously and certainly will be less blatant than what we're going to see coming up with Stormwatch. But I, I think there's a bit of it there, you know, talking about the green planet, but the planes and the high yes. rise towers, balancing tightrope flyer, looking out on his way to Mars. Airplanes and high rise towers, balancing tightrope flyer, looking out on his way to Mars. You know, it's yes, it's from the perspective of the botanic man in his garden looking out and seeing these things, but it's there's also a level of this is the trajectory that we're taking and really do we need it? Do we need to go that far? Do we do we know what's going to happen if we do? Right. And what can we do about it on an individual basis except keep our garden clean? Right. I mean if everybody can just step up and do their part, maybe we can counteract it, but I mean we we certainly can't counteract Right. But I can't make you do anything about it. All right. I can do is operate within the walls of my of my garden. Yeah. As Pomona did. Yeah. And uh, Vertumnus is is Amazon with the biggest carbon footprint in the world or, or whatever. Yeah. I don't know. <laughs> Saying love me, love me. Love me, love me. Buy this. Free shipping, free I'm shipping. I'm just an old lady. Ah, <laughs> <sighs> uh, yeah. Nick. Omen. If you were an off-brand superhero, what would your superhero name be? Oh, gosh. Uh, do I, I... I suppose it... If, if you were a garden-themed superhero... Oh, okay. There we go. Or an agricultural-themed superhero, who would you be? I would be Jethro Tull. No. Obviously. <laughs> I think that one's taken. Oh, okay. <laughs> and my, my power is to shoot seeds with such force that they drill with into my enemies. With such force that they drill yeah. right into the ground, yeah. Yep. Yep. Oh, the ground. Yeah. That. After rick after ricocheting off your servants, making them yeah drop Ping. dead. Yeah, I would be. Oh, I would be tomato boy, and I would <laughs> I would be able to know the precise moment to pick the tomato from the vine, and if I'm the one who picked it, Ooh. it would always stay at that level of freshness and perfection until until eaten or cooked. Until eaten or cooked, exactly. Yeah. Do you want to hear a little a little tomato story? I dude, I I've been waiting 20 years for a tomato story from you, so please. So one time I was woofing, I was at an organic farm in Italy, up in the mountains, and my friend and I were like, hey, you know what? The farmer and his wife have cooked dinner for us every night. Why don't we make like a traditional American dinner for them? We'll make you <laughs> oh, know, no. we, were, we were talking about recipes all the time, and we were like, oh, you know, what's this recipe? What's this food tradition? And we were like, oh, we'll make them some American traditional dishes. And there was a big patch of tomatoes that had, you know, that was covered with with plastic to, to keep them safe. And you had to crawl into it to look at the tomatoes. And they were green. And I was like, oh, my God, brilliant. We'll make fried green tomatoes. And so I made fried green tomatoes with, you know, egg from the chicken and the, the cornmeal that he had ground and all this and I served them, and he was like, mm, these are quite good. What are these? And I said, oh, they're they're fried green tomatoes. And he said, where did you get green <laughs> And I said, well, from the garden, from your big tomato patch. And he looked at me, completely expressionless, expressionless, and he said, stai scherzando? Are you kidding? And I said, no. No, I went and picked your tomatoes that are green. And he sort of dropped his head, and he said, if you could know 
with what expectancy I have waited for those tomatoes to ripen. <laughs> you would not have picked them before their time. So so he only had like the, the couple of plants, basically? No, there were tons of oh. them. But he, it was just so offensive to him that they, they had been picked before yeah. they had ripened because he was they'd been waiting all spring for yeah. them to ripen. And, and presumably they were going to make a shit ton of sauce and can it or oh, something. Kinds of things, yeah, but he yeah, was yeah. he had been deprived of those tomatoes because they were they were picked green. But he still enjoyed it. Did he hold a grudge? Did you find like No, no, not not too bad. No. <laughs> All the work was much harder after that for some reason, I'm not sure. Yeah. <laughs> Botanic man. Sun's up, moon's gone to bed in the day. Catch sleepy worms All jacks in a green Botanic man sees What must be done Okay, well, Omen, what is next week? Next week is going to be a new album. We are finally extracting ourselves from the bonus tracks of Heavy Horses, and we are entering into the world of Songs from the North. Yeah, take the wind right out of those sails. There he goes. Oh, oh, he's gone. On the back of the wind, he's gone. Songs from the North. What is that? It's a little, it was, it's a compilation album of, Stuff that was never released. I think it was released as part of a Steve Wilson thing at some point somewhere. Gotcha. Kind of hard to pin down. I'm going to try to find its origins before next week. But we've got another song that I'm assuming you've never heard before. It's Everything in Our Lives. Ooh, that's going to be a new one for, for your boy. Awesome. I might have to write up those lyrics too now that I think about it. Great. Until next week. The best fertilizer for our garden is your five star seeds, which you can spray with abandon in our direction and we will take care of. A garden is an investment. An investment is spending money to get a product later on. And as such, you can plant the garden of your joy on Patreon and Talk Tall to Me merch. That's... Right. That hurts so much. I'm so sorry that everyone had to sit through that. It was rough. It was rough today. While the sons of the moon have gone to bed, you can catch the sleepy worm of our affection by writing us a review on the podcatcher of your choice. Good. That's great. Go on to Patreon. <laughs> Patreon. Until next week, I am the vegetable composite painting that is Omen Said. I am the vegetable scraps in the compost pile, Nick McGill. We are the horny Roman god disguised as an old woman, Feckless Momes. And this is a scattering of wild notes on the air, wishing you, Bonchons, talk tell to me. boy worm boy botanic man what is it the angry bumblebee monitor is going off we have a five flower situation oh good 
God to humanity. Shall we get to the pistol mobile? Let's get to the flower factory immediately. Put on your worm suit. I never take it off, Botanic Man. Oh, worm boy, worm boy. Botanic Man, what is it? Where is my carrot cravat? I just brought it to the cleaners. You'll have to wear the uh, zucchini zapatos instead. Oh, all right, I'll put them on. All right, here we go. Bzzz. There it is. There's the flower factory, worm boy. <gasps> Do you see what's down there? Oh, so much pollen. So much pollen. Uh, this has the electric wang written all over it. <laughs> I thought we took care of him last season. He's back again, and he's wanging harder than ever. How many worm boys must die for him to be thrown into jail? Listen, worm boy 17, don't <laughs> think about that now. Just get on your pumpkin parachute and get down there. Whee! It is I, Electric Wang. How dare you come here to the flower factory, worm boy and botanic man? Your reign of terror is over. My acid reign of terror is just beginning. No, oh, no, Electric Wang. You've forgotten one important thing. What's that? Tell him, worm boy. I think you'll be upset to know that Talk Tultimy is in fact still a proud member of the Feckless Momes audio network, you monster. No. <laughs> Wang. Wang. Another day saved by Botanic Man and Worm Boy. Hooray. That's my favorite one we've ever done. I'm sorry you had to carry that on your shoulders. 